This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey everyone, this is uh, Patrick Donahoe and welcome to the Wealth Standard Radio. We are on episode 162 and we're, we're going to probably be whispering in the beginning because uh, we're in the middle of the Indianapolis airport. And, uh, but we'll probably get somewhat heated in just a second <laughs> once people stop like giving us weird looks. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, today is going to be a really cool episode. Uh, I have a really good, really good friend of mine, Mike Isom, who's here with me. He's going to talk about uh, his book that he, uh, he just wrote. And uh, also we're going to get into some topics that him and I have uh, really believed strongly about for a, a long time. Uh, and I'm going to give you uh, kind of a, an idea of who Mike is and how we know each other in, in, just, uh, in just a second. Um, but for those of you who are listening kind of for the first couple of times, if you like what you hear, you know, we, we have a ton of past podcasts with really good content. We also have a, a really you know, comprehensive blog and, and e-learning websites that you can visit and access for free. Uh, and most of that's all accessible through our website, which is www.paradigmlife.net. Uh, so make sure you go, uh, go check that out uh, to learn more. Okay, so, so Mike, you're, you and I, we were kind of you know, previous to 2007, we were in the same circles, right? But we didn't have a ton of, of interaction. Yeah. We knew the same people, went to yeah. the same events. Uh, but then, you know, all freaking the, our, our, uh, the bottom of our lives. Like, the world collapsed. It, it pretty much <laughs> collapsed, right? And you and I, it, it's interesting because the world collapsed like 2008, 2009. And you and I found refuge to an extent uh, in Houston, Texas at the, yeah. at the Marriott, at the hotel the Marriott uh, at the hotel at Bush International Airport yeah. in Houston, Texas. Yes. So, dude, you and I, we, we you know, kind of connected there, and you were going through some struggles. I was going through some struggles, uh, and really going to, to Kim Butler and, and Todd Lankford's training, their truth training, which is how to use their uh, financial calculator system. You and I, like, like we had tons of motivation, and it was, you know, there's only me, but what, 10 guys or Bevan went there a bunch of times, and there's kind of some repeat people, but we all kind of connected and, you know, started to interact more. But, you know, really, we've known each other for a while. We believe in a very similar, if not identical way. Uh, and, and so a lot of the stuff we've been talking about lately really isn't that much different than what we were talking about 10 years ago. Okay? For sure. The difference, though, I, I would say is that the context has been kind of uh, refined at, to a degree. Okay. But why don't, you know, before we kind of get into our topic today, which is, you know, I think the best way to put it is, is uh, living for today without sacrificing tomorrow. Uh, and, and we'll talk also about your, uh, your book, uh, which is what would the Rockefellers do? Um, so we'll get into your book as well. And I think that, you know, to a degree, there's some misconception around it. Because I know you got some heat off of it originally, because, you know, the Rockefellers have been involved with you know, different things that have materialized into, you know, the U.S. education system and the U.N. Uh, we're not going to get in, you know, we're going to get into kind of how that all works, um, but really the purpose behind, you know, why you had that title and, uh, and the whole theme. But why don't you maybe take like two minutes and introduce yourself and give just a, a brief background so that, uh, you know, the listeners can know kind of where you're coming from and, and uh, you know, what your level of expertise is. Sure, Patrick, thank you. You only have two minutes to do two that, minutes. so I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shrink eight minutes to two. Yeah, I have been in the financial services industry for 16 years, and I have been able to have some amazing experiences over the years. And I say amazing because I now am able to look back over the world collapsing, as I mentioned before, and extract the lessons. And extract those lessons, at, with, they gave me perspective 
because perspective determines action. Mm -hmm. And to be deliberate now on a daily basis and being in the financial services industry to extract the lessons and apply them in my life moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so it's really fun for me to draw on my past experiences mm -hmm. and have the mindset of taking those past experiences and leveraging them moving forward with my clients. Mm -hmm. with, for myself personally, to create the most for me first and foremost. And as I do so, I'm able to create the most for my family, mm -hmm. for all of my clients, for you being on this mm -hmm. show right now. And so I've been in the ser financial services industry for 16 years. I've learned a ton. I now have a belief system as a result of all of these experiences that I must always be growing and expanding and creating in order for me to be fulfilled and for me to create the most with those that I come in contact with. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the experiences. It's a lot of fun to do these shows and uh, excited about what we're going to create here. Well, I think another thing too is, and I, and I think we both have this experience, which is, you know, we don't, we're not only able to do the self introspection, right. To determine, okay, what, what drives us, uh, what's going to fulfill us, what's going to make us happy, but we get to see certain things in the lives of other people, right. And you've worked with thousands of people, and, and it really, it's, it's the, the experience there and seeing, you know, certain things that don't just apply to like this circumstance or that circumstance, but apply to everybody, right? And if you apply to this person that lives in Connecticut or the person lives in, you know, Washington state, you know, even though different parts of the country, different ages or different demographic, there's still some things that, that work. And really you kind of hone that and, and own that uh, and then incorporated that into your practice, what you teach, and then into your book as well. Yeah, principles govern. Yep. Whether you live in Seattle, Washington, or Orlando, Florida, yep. or here in Indianapolis. Yep. No, that's true. Sure. So let's so let's kind of get this this theme that I've been talking we've been talking about uh, lately is well, at least I've been thinking about lately is this this idea of you know today is really all that you have right and I think society has taught people from a, from a financial standpoint that you know you need to put in your time right now right. You need to work 40 hours and you work overtime and you need to, you know, stock it away for a tomorrow, right? So essentially what you're doing is you're sacrificing, you know, people talk to, in a sense, sacrifice their life today, right? In order to have a better future, right? So when you hear that, what's, what's wrong in your perspective with that equation? Yeah, that mindset, uh, and I'll bring it back to Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, where he talks about two types of people in life. They're both extremely successful, but one's happy and one's miserable. And the guy that's happy is the guy that will stop and celebrate. Mm -hmm. He'll enjoy the moment. He'll celebrate where he's come from to where he's at and use that as momentum to propel him forward yep. versus the guy that it, 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 tomorrow never comes. There's only today. Yep. And because tomorrow never comes, it's, it's similar, this perspective of the two people that are extremely successful, one's happy, one's not. The guy that's not, he's going to continue to set goals, but those goals are always like the horizon. Yep. No matter how much he presses forward towards them, they're always going to be out there. Yep. And he's never achieved. Never achieved. So what I've found to be true in my life is that the more that I'm present in the moment and enjoying what is right now in this moment, the more fulfilled I am, the more that I can create for those in front of me. And it doesn't mean that I don't set goals. It doesn't mean that I don't save money. Mm -hmm. I do all of those things yep. so I can enjoy the present moment yep. even more. Yep. 
So it's being deliberate about that. Yeah, and that's and for those that may be somewhat confused with this idea of no tomorrow, we're not talking about that. You know, tomorrow is not another day because it is, but tomorrow is all is just another present moment, right? So all the future is is you know, all life is is recurring present moments. So you look at you know those that are kind of sacrificing today, and they'll you know they'll put in time, and they won't go on you know they won't go home to their kids, and their kids are you know in bed by the time they get home, or they won't go on vacation and have an enjoyable experience with their family, right? Because they wanted to save an extra, you know, a couple thousand bucks. So you have people that are really sacrificing what life is all about and end up uh, regretting it in the future, right? And we've been, we've been taught, not that material things are good or bad, right? But we've been taught that value is in things, okay? And that value is not necessarily in people. And also I would say that there's so much value in the journey. And really do people, as you said, you know, they don't find satisfaction in you know the method of achieving people think that there is this like euphoric idea once you start to achieve it right and the actual journey itself can always be positive so i would say that you know you look at just again the perspective of things and you know you every what you have is right now and your mindset right now you have control over that okay but but people sometimes let outside circumstances outside things uh, control them right because they base their life around well if these events occur and this happens and this happens and this happens then i'll be happy Right. And that's the thing is, you know, the, the thing that most people will learn over time is that that kind of social belief is not true. Right. And the, the happiness and fulfillment really is always going to come from you being able to own the moment, whether the outside circumstances are ideal or not. Yeah. And I look back over my life and I invite you to do the same for everyone that's listening. Look at the things that you've really wanted most. Look at the things that those big goals that you've gone after. And where has the enjoyment, enjoyment truly been? Has it been when you achieved it or has it been in everything that was created and that you experienced along the way? Always for myself, it's been along the way. And it's, and, and what, what's really, what's really great for me about that, for, for me to realize about that is that, that, that now that I know that and I, I can be deliberate about it. And because I'm deliberate about it, I actually end up creating more and I in, end up enjoying life more because back when I, I didn't think that way and I experienced this in witnessing other people is that they put off that enjoyment. And so they get into this mindset of scarcity mm -hmm. and poverty versus abundance and prosperity. So because they're putting off that joy to a later date, and they're in this scarcity mindset today of lack. They create out of that scarcity mindset today. So they're actually sabotaging themselves even more. Does that make sense? Very good point. That's crazy. And anything that they do achieve that may be positive is just going to be countered, right, by the scarcity that they've created. Well, okay. And I, I love my mom, Patrick. Uh, she gave birth to me. She was amazing. She's taught me so many amazing things. But the way that she saved money, the way she scrimped, the way she saved the scarcity mindset that she was in for so many years, and I've been doing her planning now for 16 years since I've been in the industry, every year that I go back and go over her planning with her, and she has, she has plenty of money, she's been able to save, she has these permission slips to be able to spend and enjoy more. Because my mom saved money under a certain mindset for over 35 years, as if she's all of a sudden going to flip a switch and, just, and go yeah. from scarcity to abundance yeah, and mean. live in abundance. No, she has continued to carry that scarcity yeah. mindset yeah. and poverty and lack yeah. 
through her senior years where she has all this money that she does not yeah, enjoy. No, you're, so the thing is, it's like, this is, this is human behavior 101, yes. right? And everybody has it. I have it, right? You, you have it. We're, we're programmed to an extent where you do something day in and day out, it becomes so difficult to break that habit, right? And that's why, I mean, if you look at people that, you know, that want to be healthy. So what we're saying is that, you know, you, you look at human behavior and in order to develop patterns of positivism or happiness or fulfillment, okay, it doesn't happen in a moment, right? It happens in recurring moments. And if you want to build those, build those habits, okay, it has to start right now. And regardless of what the circumstance is, okay, that is where you can basically say, okay, here's a circumstance, okay? My old self would have said, that sucks. My new self says, listen, this is a lesson. I can learn. This is going to stretch me. I can learn from, so that, uh, learn from this. I can be better because of it, yeah. right? But yet, you, again, you have people that have this, like, okay, well, if this happens and I have this amount of money, my bank account looks like this and this happens and this happens, then yeah. oof, magically it, yeah. my whole life is going to change yeah. and that it never happens. I mean, it's the yeah. lottery. It's a lottery effect, right? Yeah. People think, okay, if I win the lottery, all my problems are solved. Yeah. No, you're the same person. You just have a bigger bank account. Yeah. And eventually what happens is what? Because they don't change. They lose all their friends, yeah. okay? Because everyone wants something from them. They want their money. They want this. They want that. So they have to move. No new friends. Everything is superficial. Right? And they end up squandering all the money and then they're back to the same person. But now they're worse because they experience something above and beyond that. So again, you look at the, again, it all comes back to your perspective of life and all that exists is right now. And people just continue to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice this because it'll be better down the road because I'm going to do something now that is sacrificial. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Patrick. And I hope that uh, as you're listening to this, that you're questioning some of your own habits. We are 100% disciplined to our existing set of habits. 100% disciplined. We're all disciplined to our existing set of habits. Habits. Perspective determines action. I hope that in this episode and every other episode that you're gaining some perspective, Mm -hmm. that you will challenge your current beliefs and take some action towards what you're really wanting. For sure. So I think with, with me and you, so in the beginning, we said we found refuge, you know, at these trainings, these tiny trainings that we went to and, you know, the, the old school, like UFO looking Marriott in, <laughs> in Houston, Texas. And we went there because what I at least was recognizing at the time is there was so much negativity going on in my life, right? I had, you know, things had failed in business and things that were failing at home. And, but I, but instead of me just like wallowing in my freaking crap, I took action. I went there. And, and it really, you know, the first time was one thing, but the reason why I kept going back and over and over and over is because there's where my pattern was interrupted. There's where I saw hope. There's where I saw, listen, I could use this for this. It's where ideas came from. It's where I could have high level conversations like with guys like you and things really took off from there to a, to a degree. So that's the thing. It's like, it's not that, you know, right now everybody is kind of prone to having the, the negative perspective on life, right? Our DNA is like a caveman. We're taught to run from the saber-toothed tiger, right? We're taught to, to run away from the, the woolly mammoth, right? The, that's still in us. And you look at really what ingrains us. We're trying to survive. We're trying to protect ourselves. And because of that, we always look to the bad. We always look to the negative. We're always looking to these things really to be able to know in order to defend ourselves. But in order to flip that switch, in order to really look at the world differently, it has to do with the books that you're reading. It has to do with the people you're surrounding yourself by. 
And it has to do with what you're thinking in those moments when you're not talking to somebody else. Because that has everything. And even when you're talking to somebody else, it's the language that you use. It's the yeah. words that you use. It's the yeah. things that you talk about. Okay, And that, again, it builds habit over and over and over and over again. It's like the cab, the the cab, the uh, car driver that was coming out here, right? You were you didn't even want to talk to the guy because he's like, I have these bills and I have to do this and I have to do this. It's like the way in which a person talks, you put off an energy. And yeah. if you want to make specific changes right now, it will impact everything. It's the what you think about and it's what you talk about. Yeah, yeah. Your habits. What are you doing on a daily basis to feed yourself, to expand, to grow, and yep. to create in every area of your life? Because that's ultimately what fulfills us. Yep. And so be conscious of it. Be conscious of what you're wanting in your life. Be very clear about what you're wanting. That's that's a big thing, Patrick, for me that uh, has helped me the most over the last five or six years is to get clear, to start dreaming again, and to get clear about what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. And then, and only then, did I then think about why do I want that? And to have a deep enough why around what I wanted and the strategies come yep. that people come into my life doesn't mean that I'm not taking any action. I'm taking no. massive action yep. towards that when I'm clear about what I want and why I want yep. it. And that's such a dude. It's such a freaking contradiction. Um, not what you just said, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> but but you look at what people are striving for when they complain and they say, you know, woe is me. I have all these problems. I have all these issues because they they want to they want to get out of it. But they're using like the complete opposite tactics and thoughts and words to try to get out of it. Yeah. With you, you know, of course, it's going to take action. But with you, it's you started really with the core things that will that will make you know the the, the words that you say, um, how you interact with people, so energetic that people naturally are attracted to that and want to do something about it. Whereas if you're you know talking about yourself and you're talking about you know how bad your life is and all the crap that's going on here. That is not empowering to people. What's empowering to people is that they feel empowered by you. They feel inspired by you. They feel energized by you. And that does more for relationships and business and employment than anything. Yeah. And then last thing I'll say, then we'll kind of get to your, your book. So last week we did a, a podcast on the Olympics, right? And we talked about just, you know, how winners, it's not about the 99.7 or 8 or 9% of what they do. It's about that last like 0 0.01. Because you should look at like Usain Bolt. Right? He goes to the Olympics and how many seconds does he run? He spends years and years and years of training to run for like nine seconds mm -hmm. or 10 seconds or 12 mm -hmm. seconds, just short period of time. But the difference between him and like second place and third place is like point, you know, one, point four, point three, right? And then fourth place, right? Less than a half a second. Yeah. But yet it's the fourth place gets nothing. You don't know. Nobody knows who got fourth place last Olympics. Nobody knows who got fourth place this Olympics. Yeah. Right? So, so that's one of the things we talked about, the Olympics. So Mike, with Michael Phelps, we ended with that, which is, you know, it came out with some of the interviews that led up to the Olympics that he, he was depressed, right? He, and he was on the brink of, of killing himself, right? So a guy that has achieved more than any athlete in the history of mankind, right, now wants to end his life. Okay. So there's a, there's a ton that we can learn from that. And when I, you know, and not to get into all the details, okay, but the one thing that I learned about it is here you have a guy that definitely was like, I want to win that. I want to win that achievement and achievement, achievement. I'm going to get to that end. But then he got there and what did it feel like? Yeah. It felt pretty good for how long? Yep. Not long enough. Yep. Right. So it's one of those things where 
fulfillment, again, does not come with ends. Now, our ends are part of it for sure. Yep. But then he discovered through, you know, the, Ray Lewis was a, was a helpmate to him and he's read some books and started to really, you know, kind of get his life together, uh, got engaged, had a baby and everything turned, not everything probably, but things turned around because he found that those ends, although they were great, okay, the fulfillment he found in the journey and the fulfillment he found with relationships was more powerful than anything else. Yeah. Yep. And so you can test this. I've tested it. I'm very clear about it in my life and I invite you to test it. When have you been the most fulfilled? When have you felt the most energy? When have you made the largest contributions in your life and other people's lives that have fulfilled you the most and con contributed the most to others? Mm -hmm. It's when you're creating. Yep. It's when you're expanding. It's when you're growing. Mm -hmm. Why would you ever stop that? Why would you ever stop that? Mm -hmm. Don't stop that. I've stopped it. I've become complacent. I've gotten bored and I've gone in and created a lot of chaos as a result of that consciously and subconsciously. So I could go back in and create and expand and grow again. And I've hurt a lot of people. I've hurt myself. I've caused a lot of chaos as a result. I'm more deliberate today than ever before about what fulfills me and creates the most for others. It's like the third time I've said this. I hope that you're catching it. Check yourself. Where are you stagnant? Where are you not growing, expanding, and creating? And where could you be? Yep. And what is one step that you can take today towards that? Yep. Well, here's the other thing, and we and we I try to talk about this a ton. I'm glad that you that you're here and are so passionate about it. And we're getting some you know kind of weird stares right now from people. <laughs> but uh, but my the big thing is like what everybody again the the survivalist the survivalist nature that we have is to focus on ourselves. It's self-preservation, right? But yet the key to life has nothing to do with ourselves. The key to life is what is the most value to somebody else? And that is what gives us the most fulfillment. It's such a backwards idea because it's against our nature because the fulfillment is always found in your ability to take what you love to do and be of service to somebody else. Now, it's not of service where you're you know, it's, it's charity or it's for a nonprofit. That's not what I'm talking No, that could be part of it. Not to say that it's not, right? But it's really doing the most for somebody else is what's going to make you the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm, here's what I'm hearing you say, Patrick. I'm hearing you talk about being selfish or self-interested. Mm -hmm. So self-interest versus being selfish are two different things, yep. right? Selfish is it's all about me. Mm -hmm. Self-interest is it's all about somebody else. It's about somebody else. But in that, is what fulfills me the most. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So we both get what we want yep. at the highest level. Yeah. And we believe that for a long time, right? But yet, it, because it's so, and you look at every, whether it's, you know, Elon Musk or, or, or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or, or anybody that's become this, you know, amazing entrepreneur and has created a massive amount of wealth, it's because of how many people they've in, uh, affected, right? And really, what was the mission? Was the mission to be a billionaire or was the mission to help a billion people? Zig Ziglar. All right. Zig Ziglar. Love this guy. Zig Ziglar said this, Patrick, and I'm sure you've heard this and many of the listeners have heard this. The only way to get to the top is to help enough other people get to the top. That's amazing. Yeah. Those, those guys, whether it's Zig Ziglar or what are some, what are some Earl Nightingale, Earl, Earl Nightingale. There's so much wisdom that exists. Jim Rohn. There's so much wisdom that has existed for so long. And people have heard these quotes, but yet, in order for it to be a part of you, because of how 
contrary it is to our nature as human mm-hmm. beings, those quotes, you can't just understand the quotes. You have to actually live them. You have to do it. And then those quotes will have a ton more meaning. And that's where you're going to find the ultimate fulfillment. And we could spend a whole nother show, a month's shows on what the media throws out there yep. and what they market to. And that's that scarcity, poverty mindset. Yep. Well, we're, it's not only we have the human nature, but we're programmed by all society to think the exact opposite of what's going to actually give us that fulfillment. Yeah. All right, so let's get let's we only have a few minutes left and you can you need to catch your flight before me. Let's um let's dive into your book, right? So the first thing, because when a person sees Rockefeller, they're gonna be like, either they're gonna love you or they're gonna hate you. Yeah. Okay, so let's kind of clear up that stuff from the beginning. Yeah. Was this about the Rockefeller family? Uh this was this book was written about legacy. Yeah. So the Rockefeller is more of the there's an example of how it was used, but this isn't to, you know, to take a side as far as a political affiliation or some sort of like the Rockefellers had set up specific things in a certain way and they passed on legacy. Yeah. It's not about their involvement in, you know, the different ways in which the U S has kind of come into this new age. So, so to kind of get the record straight, <laughs> right, this book and we're, and, and uh, we'll give some links to, to Mike's site so you guys can order the book. Fascinating book. Uh, but again, it's not about any type of political agenda or about, you know, creating the UN or, or the U.S. education. So there's nothing about that. Okay. It's about how to build a legacy similar to theirs. Patrick, when you and I and anyone else listening to this, when anyone thinks legacy, when we think legacy, my belief around that thought is that we are more deliberate than ever before about extracting the life lessons that we're experiencing today. We're writing them down. We're doing that because it benefits us. Mm -hmm. When you and I are deliberate, when I'm deliberate about extracting a lesson from something in my life and I make it a habit and I apply that to my life moving forward, that benefits me. Mm -hmm. When I do it in a way where it's written down, when it's in some legal documents to pass on to my kids, Mm -hmm. now I'm thinking legacy. Mm -hmm. So thinking legacy, what would the Rockefellers do? They were deliberate about not only wanting and setting up legal structure to pass on their financial wealth, but also their mental capital, their human life value assets, human life value, your integrity, your knowledge, your experience in life, your morals, your values. It's all of those assets in your life, your mental capital that has allowed you to go out and create all the property value assets that you have in your life. So the book's about being more deliberate than ever before about passing on both, not one or the other. In traditional planning, it's an emphasis on everything about your property value assets, passing on your cash and your house and and life insurance, death benefit, and and these things to your heirs. But what allowed for you to create that and what the Rockefellers were deliberate about is packaging the human life value, the mental capital with the financial capital. So money actually becomes a blessing, not a curse Mm -hmm. in your life. And the self-interest, Patrick, for you and I, to have that plan in our life is that it'll, it, it empowers us to create more today, knowing that we're going to be passing that on. Mm-hmm. And when we create more today, it yep. fulfills us more. That's our self-interest. Yep. And it fulfills more for those that will come, come behind yep. us. Well, the thing is, I don't, I'm not sure at what point like we see the value in our elders, right? If it's, it's definitely not when we're like 15 years old right? <laughs> or 16 or 17. I don't know when, I don't know when the point is you look back and say, wow, my grandfather, he did some pretty cool things. 
But the thing is, the, when we look back and we say in our mind, uh, I wish, I wish, I wish, they're typically gone, either yeah. mentally or yeah. physically. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is really you, everybody has an immense amount of value they bring to the world. Okay. But the ability to experience that only exists while you're alive for most yeah. people. Okay? Yeah. So you're basically saying that the Rockefellers that built dynasties, that built amazing businesses, that built industries, they've been able to essentially take what they know, their knowledge, their, their financial assets, and take those and put them into specific documents okay, that would ensure irrevocably yes. to pass on to one generation, the next generation, and the next generation. Yes. Cool. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. It's, it, I hope that as you're listening to this, that it, it sparks some hope in your life. Hope maybe for the first time in a generation of your family that you could create a foundation in your name, your, you and your wife's name. For, my, for myself, it's in my name and my wife's name. And this will be a first generation of this legacy that is being built that will pass on for future generations. The Michael and Wendy Isom family trust that will pass on to my two kids, mm -hmm. that will pass on to their kids. I'm more deliberate today, Patrick, about teaching my kids yeah. about legacy, about extracting the life mm -hmm. lessons, knowing that they're going to come in to this family trust after my wife and I pass away and be empowered by it, to be empowered by the life lessons that are there. If we had to make a choice, what would you want to leave if you had to, a choice to leave either the mental capital, how you created everything, versus the money to your well, kids? I'll, I'll use what happened to me last summer to answer that question. Okay. So last summer, my, you know, and I talked about this in the podcast last year, but we were in a plane coming back from the East Coast and it ran into a storm and almost, and, and uh, we thought we were going to die. We thought it was going to crash. So mm -hmm. the two things that went through my head, first thing was, you know, was actually, I was, I was okay because I was with my family. That was my biggest fear mm -hmm. is that something hap would happen to me and my family would be without me. Mm -hmm. And I set my, a lot of my estate up like that. My will, my, my wills, my trusts and all the different language in there, as far as the Testament of trust and directives and so forth. I set all up for those events. The second thought that I had was crap. I didn't set it up for uh, if all of us went together, okay? And I came to find out, I went home, I talked to Andrew, we have the same attorney. Yeah. I went to Andrew and he was like, listen, yeah, we, we totally, we, we did not do that part. And if something happened to your whole family, there would be a liquidation of all your assets. Yeah. And one big check would be written to Cynthia's yes. family and yes. one big check would be written to your family <laughs> without anything. So I thought there, you know, listen, that is, a big check going without any directive, any instruction, that is the last thing that I would yeah. want to do. And so that was one of the first things I did when I got home um, is ma I made those, I made those corrections. So to answer your question is, yeah, the, the money, money, money is the result of people that have actually been of value to others. When you give yes. money to somebody that didn't yes. do that, yep. there'll be no value placed on that. Yep. Money. Yep. Yep. And so you are the asset. People are assets, things are not. And human life value is the source and creator of all property value. And we don't have to make the choice of leaving one or the other. We can leave both. And in leaving both, it empowers us more today. It fulfills us more today. Mm -hmm. We experience life in a greater degree in this moment right now today by having that plan set up. So I invite you to look at your planning, to revisit it, to take it off the shelf, dust it off, or to create one, a new one, if yep. you don't have one. And you can do this at any level. Yep. You can do this at any financial level in your life. 
and be deliberate about it. No, so looking at your that book and the whole idea of creating a legacy, we have to realize that that is, a, I think it's a natural part of us where we want to pass on something. I mean, if you ever have a grandchild or a child, you know in the beginning, you can't have a high level conversation about relationships with a two-year-old. I have a two-year-old and doing that would be, anyway, it would be, the, the, he would retain absolutely zero. All he would retain is whether I was smiling mm -hmm. or frowning, mm -hmm. right? So thing is, when is he going to be of age when he'll understand that? I don't know, right? And I don't know, it might be when he's 25 or 30 or 20. Okay, so looking at really your legacy, you try to instill values and principles and behaviors in your children and grandchildren. But at the end of the day, they are independent, okay? And they have to go through different segments of life to understand who they are, what their purpose is, okay, why they're here mm -hmm. and what they want to do with the rest of their life, yeah. okay? When they get to that point, that is where, you know, you may be around, but you might not be around. Yeah. So to be an impact of people, you, you know, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it now. You should still take efforts and do the family reunions and vacations and family meetings and retreats and teach kids the principles, whether it's financial or, or life principles. But then you also, you can set up these documents that it incentivizes them to actually go and uh, at least pursue some of the things or the directives that you put in yeah. there because you can set up a will or a tr you know a will but a trust or set up documents that basically bind uh you know bind an agreement saying if you do this you get this you yep. can say if you did this action or went and, and served or read this, this book read this book put together right, yeah or, or or organize this you know this meeting or whatever you would get this yeah so there so that's where you can use kind of the legal system and documents that are enforceable by the courts, you can use those things to instill those those values. Knowing in your heart, which being a father, and for all of you out there, mother, father, husband, wife, when you have kids, you want what's best for your kids. And I know what's best for me in that I had to learn, I had to extract the lessons, I had to earn what I have in my life. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to experience that also because I want the most for them. And the most for them is not to just give them a handout. Mm -hmm. It's to allow them to experience what I experienced, but a much higher level having these resources to be able to utilize. And you talk about your two-year-old, uh, our son, Caden's 17, our daughter, Kennedy's 21. Mm -hmm. The conversations are so much different about our family bank about our legacy mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. than ever before. And those will just continue to evolve. Yeah. Because you've, because you know, 10 years ago, you cannot have the same conversations that you're having. You're having conversations and you're teaching them, but there's so much more that if you were to try to teach them, it would just go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. So that's where you, it's a gradual process. And, you know, they may get a job on the East coast. They may move out and they may not be able to be around you, but yet you can still create different systems, create different family dynamics. So that you can continue to instill what you believe are our keys to keys to life that would be yeah. of benefit to them, which yeah. they might not understand right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we make the distinction early on and what would the Rockefellers do about the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers, two very predominant families, uh, big names. And uh, uh, the Vanderbilts didn't do this. They were not deliberate about it. And the money ran out. Yep. 
the money was gone. Yep. You, versus, if it weren't for like Vanderbilt University, nobody knew who they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, versus the Rockefellers that were deliberate about that, and there are billions of dollars yeah. and over 350 known family members that yeah. still benefit from not only the financial capital but the mental capital. Jeez. That's incredible. It's beautiful. Isn't well, it? let's do another one because this is, you know, obviously being in the airport kind of has some distractions <laughs> to it, but let's do a part two because I want to learn, you know, and have you go into certain parts of, of the book and your, and specifically the research that you did and what you discovered and kind of how it all came together. I'd love to hear that story. Are you, awesome. down, you down for that? Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Okay, cool. All right, everyone, uh, we'll put some stuff in the show notes that you can uh, reach out to Mike and uh, purchase his book and, uh, and learn, learn more about what the Rockefellers uh, do not did, but do. Okay. That's it for uh, this week, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the wealth standard radio show, your gold standard in everything financial.